the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Good morning. It is Friday, February 4th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Lance Glenn. We are back moving along in our Across the Country with the College Football Daily series. Of course, if you've missed any episodes, you can find them all wherever you get your podcast. And you can also go to Spotify, search for the playlist Across the Country with the College Football Daily, and find every episode we have done so far in the series all in one place. We head back to the East Coast. We go up north to Chestnut Hill. And for today's stop, we talk about Boston College. Joining me to discuss Jeff Halfley's Eagles, the publisher of 24-7 Sports EagleInsider.com, Tyler Calvaruso. Tyler, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on and joining me. Really appreciate it. I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on. So Tyler, year two under Jeff Halfley, six and six record, really up and down. And we'll get into the why regarding those inconsistencies in a little bit, but 500 record, the bowl game ended up obviously getting canceled. Record-wise, they finished with the same number of wins this past year that they did in 2020. But I would think while the record was pretty much the same, there was clear progress from year one to year two. Where did that progress really show up? You know, Where were the Eagles better in 2021 than they were in Jeff Halfley's first season back in the COVID-shortened year? They were definitely a better team defensively. They made some strides in Halfley's first season in 2020. You know, you got to keep in mind, they inherited a bunch of personnel from the Steve Adagio era that wasn't necessarily a fit in the 425 scheme that they installed. So they kind of had to fit some square pegs into round holes, and that was kind of tough at first. But as the 2020 season went on, the defense got progressively better, and that carried over into 2021, where the secondary was awesome. The linebackers got better as the year went on. They had two young guys at the position, and Cam Arnold, who moved down from safety to play linebacker for the first time, and true freshman Bryce Steele, who started to see more and more time in the rotation as the year went on. The defensive line was still an issue. There was a lack of pass rush overall, not a whole lot of pressure up front. But the defense definitely made progress under Halfley and defensive coordinator Tim Lukabu. And hey, I mean, that's pretty much what you would expect considering Halfley's background as a defensive specialist and his work with defensive backs. There was a lot of progress in the secondary. Josh DeBerry turned into an all-ACC cornerback. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Jaden Woodby was great coming over from Florida State. He stayed healthy. He wound up being an honorable mention guy in the ACC. So the defense is where the progress was really, you could see it. Offensively, you know, there were issues, and I'm sure we'll get into that, but defensively, there's reason for BC fans to be excited about the future and where that position group is heading. So, you know, I mentioned those ups and downs of the season this past year, and I think you'd agree with me. Those inconsistencies came in large part or came during uh, Phil Yurkovic's injury, got hurt in the second game of the season against UMass, didn't return until November 5th against Virginia Tech. Look, coming off the injury, the numbers weren't great. He certainly didn't look completely healthy a lot of the time. Do you blame his injury for the slide towards the end of the season? And now that he's healthy, what are the expectations for him heading into this coming year? So usually it's difficult to point at one injury and say, oh, this is where things went south. But when we're talking about a quarterback who had legitimate NFL aspirations going down, yeah, I think you can point to that and say, this is why BC's 2021 season ultimately went downhill and didn't amount to what they thought it would be. BC thought it was going to get more out of Dennis Grossell. That's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And he just didn't really deliver. You know, he sold so many things as a backup in 2020, relieving Dracovic at times and putting in a record-setting performance in BC's final regular season game with Dracovic out. And just none of that carried over to 2021. He just wasn't the same quarterback. The deep part of their passing game became essentially non-existent because of his inability to hit on the deep ball consistently. So without Dracovic, the 
the whole offense just changed and they really couldn't get anything going. It's a big reason why they didn't win a single game in the month of October. So yeah, you, you could, de- in this situation, you could definitely point at Jerkovic's absence as the main reason why BC finished six and six, in my opinion. We will talk more Boston College with Tyler Calvaruso when we come back. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. So I want to stick with the offense. John McNulty was just hired as offensive coordinator. I know him well. I went to Rutgers, watched him in the season and a third that he spent with Chris Ash. And of course, remember his best days on the Scarlet Knights staff in the mid 2000s with Greg Schiano. What's the fan opinion on the hire? You know, happy, disappointed, indifferent regarding the McNulty uh, hire as the new OC. What, what are the fans thinking? So I think the fans kind of met it with a little bit of concern because they look at that second stint at Rutgers and you look at the numbers and you see 13 points per game being averaged in 2019. And you're like, oh my goodness, what did Jeff Hathley just get us into? But when you take a step back and you really assess the situation, you realize the cupboard was pretty bare at Rutgers McNulty second time around. He's not absolved the blame for the unit struggles. That goes without saying, but you know, how much could he have really accomplished with that group? I think his introductory press conference kind of helped ease any concerns Boston College fans have about the McNulty hiring. Obviously, it's, it's easy to go out and win a press conference. Winning football games is a completely different story. But I, I think a lot of BC fans have started to realize that this was a situation where BC didn't have to necessarily go out and reinvent the wheel with this hire, right? They have returned a lot of veteran guys on offense. You bring back Djokovic, you bring back a thousand-yard rusher and Pat the third, and all ACC wide receiver and Zay Flowers, and a lot of talent behind him. So everyone wants to go out and get the young, innovative offensive mind. I and mean, that's all well and good. But I completely understand that line of thinking. What happens if you go out and get a first-year play caller who needs a little bit of nurturing and then you squander a veteran offense with all these pieces not going to be here for that much longer? Obviously, you don't go out and make this hire just based on one season. But I think McNulty's a good fit for what BC has in place right now. And I think the fans are starting to realize that. Yeah, and I know we obviously talked about it before we started recording. I mentioned that I had just graduated when McNulty came in and he was there for about a season and a third at Rutgers. And to his defense, as I said, and as you mentioned, the cupboard certainly was pretty bare when he was uh, doing his second stint at Rutgers uh, under Chris Ash. And that's one of the main reasons why both he and Chris Ash didn't last long as Scarlet Knights. So look, Jeff Halfley, with the success that he's had at Boston College, is obviously looked at as a coach on the rise throughout the country. And when you're a coach on the rise, your name's going to get connected to big time openings. And I think we saw that this offseason. And you know, I'm sure those rumors, they're only going to get louder, the more success he has. What do you think his long term future is at Boston College? You know, this is not me asking like, a, I guess, a when do you think he's leaving kind of question? It's more of an is there a worry or maybe even a belief that eventually Halfley could move on from BC and transition towards, I guess, a quote unquote, big time program in his next job. I would say there's always at least some level of worry when you have a coach like Halfley who's widely regarded in the industry as an up and comer and has already been linked to jobs elsewhere. You know, he was involved with the Washington job. You know, there are rumors about him 
taking that Pac-12 gig. It's definitely something that BC fans kind of always have in the back of their mind, even after he signed this contract extension in the offseason. You know, we've seen contract extensions go out the window in a hurry when quote-unquote bigger programs come calling. So yeah, it's definitely something that BC fans have to monitor. Halfley has kind of went out and said multiple times, you know, involuntarily, just that he wants to be at BC and he wants to build this thing for the long haul. But that's, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens when a bigger program comes calling. It's definitely an area of concern, I would say, for the fan base. And look, that's just the name of the game. You know, when you have a young coach like Halfley who's on the rise, and if he could turn your program around, other programs are going to come calling. And, you know, it it goes both ways, too, because I think if BC fans... If BC were to lose Halfley at some point, that would mean BC really made a lot of progress. So you take those wins and, you know, you lose your head coach that comes along with it. Yeah, and you hope that if the day does come that you end up losing Halfley to, like I said, a, I guess, bigger time job, let's say, that he not only built uh, a lot of success when he was here, but obviously built uh, it up to be successful after he's gone. So, you know, it is a, uh, it's kind of a bittersweet loss, I guess you could say, if that does end up coming uh, for the Eagles. So Tyler, a couple more before I let you go. And this one, kind of a fill in the blank. As we record, it's early February. The biggest area in need of improvement for Boston College is blank. It's always going to be the defensive line until the pass rush gets going. It is the defensive line last season was extremely underwhelming. I, th- I think that's probably the best way to put it. They need more pressure up front from their front four. The entire staff knows that. That that's really just is what it is. And they went defensive line heavy this cycle. They took five guys who they really really like. So it's going to be interesting to monitor their development. But defensive line is going to continue to be a position they go after hard on the trail. Because you don't just need starters on the line. With the way injuries pile up in the trenches, you need quality depth too, and they're targeting that pretty hard. Is that a position that they've gone hard uh, in the portal for? Because obviously, look, you go for high school guys, it might take them a couple years to develop, but obviously the portal guys, the big uh, benefit of adding them is that they're more than likely already ready. Is that a position that they've actively targeted to bring in those ready-made players? They have. So they added Arizona transfer Reagan Terry out of the portal this offseason. Last offseason, they added a couple guys out of the portal. So yeah, it's something that they have looked for in the portal. And Halfley has repeatedly said that he doesn't want to live in the portal and he doesn't want to build that way. He wants to build through high school talent and developing high school players. And I think that maybe during the spring, if the right fit pops up, they'll go after it. They're so big on fit at BC. They're not just going to go out and get it the uberly talented guy if they don't feel he's a fit on and off the field in that program. So I think you might see some movement in the spring. I think, you know, you'll see some conversations go on and there's definitely a possibility they can continue adding in the portal, but it's been something they have addressed in the past. So Tyler, last one before I let you go, are there any team or positional storylines you have your eyes on that could unfold as the season progresses and we head towards the spring, summer, and then obviously on to next fall? I keep a close eye on the offensive line. Christian Mahogany, who's an all-ACC guy, is the only returning starter on the line. So they're going to have to replace four of their five starting offensive linemen from a unit that featured Zion Johnson, who's working his way into the late first round discussion down at the senior bowl. He's having one heck of a time down there. Alec Lindstrom, who was a veteran starter. Ben Petrula started 60 straight games. And Tyler Vrabel, Mike Vrabel's son, he's off to the NFL as well earlier than many expected. So it's going to take some time for that O-line to gel. There's going to be a lot of youth in the trenches. And it'll be interesting to see how that group comes together. You know, that's where you win and lose games. And this is going to be a com- almost a completely new group blocking for Jakovic and Garo the third and all the running backs. You can follow him on Twitter at Tyler underscore Calvaruso, the publisher of 24 seven sports, Eagle Tyler, appreciate you giving me some time today. Really. Thanks so much for coming on. 
Yeah, thanks, man. Anytime. Remember, if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to hear our entire Across the Country series, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts or on Spotify by searching for the Across the Country with the College Football Daily playlist. For Tyler Calvaruso, I am Lance Glenn. Have a good weekend, everyone. And thanks for listening to another edition of the College Football Daily.